0: Thank you. You can have a seat. I want to say thank you to uh, Pam Knowles and Catherine Young and Christy Wessels for uh, all their work with our Arise team, and they just do such a great job. Thanks, gals, for that. Would you just bow with me in a word of prayer? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have this morning to open your word. And God, I pray that the words that we've just sang, that we would decide to follow you and that there's no turning back. This isn't, if this is cool and if, if this is need and if it works out well, then we'll do it, but we're all in and we'll serve you, we'll follow you, we'll allow you to take the place that rightfully belongs to you in our lives. And God, I pray that we would also be able to echo those words that Christ is enough for us. And often we find ourselves in this life trying to fill ourselves with something else and hoping that we would be full and complete, when in reality, the void that is in our life can only be filled by you, and thanks for that. Thank you for making yourself known, for revealing yourself to us through your word. Thank you for showing yourself to us by your spirit. We pray that in the next few moments, as we open the word of God, that we would lay aside the cares that... that would distract us from hearing from your voice. That we would say yes to your spirit and that whatever it is that you want to touch in us, your word would do that. Father, may it be your words that are heard, not mine. We pray that your spirit would be in control. We pray that your will would be accomplished in us. Make us better able to love you and serve you because of the time we spend in your word. In your name we pray, amen. We've been talking the last number of weeks through the book of John, and we're going to continue that this morning. I want to talk to you about something that each and every one of us do every day of our lives. We make decisions. Every one of us make many decisions every day. A lot of us don't think much about the decisions that we make. We just make them. A lot of our decisions that we make are compounded, right? You make a decision, which in turn leads you to make another decision, which in turn leads you to make another decision. Every one of the decisions that we make have some implication in our life. They affect us in some way. And often the decisions that we have and that we're making affect someone else. If you're a parent, your decisions are affecting your children even if they're decisions that they're not part of or they may not know that you are making, they affect your children. If you're married in this room, you're a mom, the decisions you make affect how your kids may see Christ in you. They may affect how your relationship with your spouse works out. They may affect the events that take place as everybody gathers around the table for that evening meal, or as everybody gets home from school, or the conversation that happens around your home in the evening, or whatever it might be, the decisions that you make affect everything that you do. Every moment is full of decisions. How often do you stop and think about the decisions that you're making, and how they might affect your relationship with God? How often have you stopped in the middle of doing something and you're deciding something major or minor, either one, and you stopped in the middle of it and you said, hey, if I decide this way, then my relationship with God becomes this. But if I decide it this way, then my relationship with God looks like this. How often do you do that? The passage of Scripture that I want to read with you this morning is a story of decisions. And I don't want you to think about the passage of Scripture in light of a story that happened a long time ago. I want you to think about the story in light of your life right here, right now. Because the events that take place in this story happen repeatedly in our lives. And they may have happened in your life this week. Only you really know. But I want you to think about it that way as I read this passage of Scripture. If you have your Bible, I'd ask you to turn with me to the book of John, chapter 18. John, chapter 18. I'm going to start reading in verse 15. John 18, starting in verse 15. Simon Peter was following Jesus as, the, as was another disciple. Now, we're jumping into the middle of a story. And if you remember from what happened last week, Pastor Mike was sharing with us that Judas had just denied or just told who Jesus was and basically handed him over to a group of soldiers who were going to lead him away and were getting prepared for the crucifixion. And it... They had just spent an evening together. Remember, there's a whole pile of chapters that are all together in the middle of this from John about 13 to where we are now. It's an evening where all of the disciples had been with Jesus. They'd had a meal together. Jesus was telling them what was going to happen. And then Judas, they'd gone out to the garden. Judas comes and he says, hey, this is Jesus. And the soldiers begin to take him and they're leading him away. And remember in the middle of that, Peter jumped up, pulled out his sword. And he was so good with his sword, he Off the guy's ear. Remember? That's what had happened. That's where we picked this up. And so Simon Peter was following Jesus as was another disciple. That disciple was acquainted with the high priest. So he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter remained standing outside by the door. So the other disciple, the one known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the girl who was at who was the doorkeeper and brought Peter in then the servant girl who was the doorkeeper said to peter you aren't you aren't one of of this man's disciples too are you i am not he said now the servants and the officials had made a coal fire a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing there warming themselves and peter was standing with them warming himself jump down to verse 25 now simon peter was standing and warming himself and they said to him You aren't one of of his disciples too, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Peter denied it again. Immediately, a rooster crowed. These decisions that Peter made were not taken place and did not take place in a vacuum. There are a series of life events that lead to every decision that we make. Every decision that Peter just made, there's a series of events that led him to this place. Every decision has an outcome. It's either desired or undesirable. We are also aware that God led Peter to this very moment to work in Peter's heart, to cause Peter to realize some things about himself and the decisions we make do the exact same thing. But you have to understand that for Peter, there's a progression of events that take place that lead him to the little part of life that we just read about, where Peter is standing by a fire and Jesus is is now standing for his life. He's standing and they're going to accuse him of being someone that he's not. They're going to say things about Jesus that are wrong. And we know that Jesus is going down this road for Peter, for the disciples, for all of us. And we know that Peter is standing and he's watching these events take place. But he has some decisions to make in the middle of the events that are taking place. And so do you and so do I. And every decision we make has an outcome. But there are things that happen in our life that lead us to the very moment when we have to make really difficult decisions. Let me show you a few of those moments in Peter's life so you understand what I'm talking about. If you went back to John chapter 1, verses 40 to 42, you'd read this. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. Remember John the Baptist? Who was the one who was saying, hey, here comes Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah. And he was the one who was preaching about the one coming, Jesus Christ. And, And Andrew was one of the guys who had heard John and listened to John and said, hey, he's talking about something really important This matters. And John points to Jesus Christ. And so, Andrew went and found his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah and brought Simon, who's Peter, to Jesus. And when Jesus saw him, he said, you are Simon, son of John, and you will be called Peter. This is when Peter first meets Jesus. And they're standing, and and Andrew, who does what Andrew always does, he's always bringing people to Jesus, looks at his brother, and he says, I found the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. Come with me. you got to see him. And so Peter goes with him, and he stands before Jesus. His name was Simon at that point, and Jesus goes, you're going to follow me, and your name is going to be Peter. And I'm going to use you to do incredible things. And he was called out by Jesus. And all of a sudden, this relationship between he and Jesus becomes very intimate, very close, very deep-seated. Ever had that moment where you met Jesus? And Jesus called you out. He said, hey, I'm here for you. I'm here to change your life. I paid the price for your sin. I'm offering you a different life. I'm calling you to me. Come to me. Come live life with me. That's what Jesus did with Peter. And Peter followed. And if you follow that, you realize that this decision that Peter made wasn't just to follow because if you go to the other Gospels, Peter was a fisherman and it says this, that he was in his boat, he was fishing, Jesus was talking out of his boat and he said, Peter, put your nets down on the other side and Peter did and he took the greatest haul he had ever taken while he was fishing and they're pulling it in and the boat's about to sink and the net's ready to break. This is Jesus he's with. And if you read that passage, it says this that he was so taken by Jesus that he left his nets. They pulled the fish in, he left his nets. He didn't even look back, he just walked away and he followed Jesus. And he said, I'm in. I'm going to follow Jesus. He was called. That was the first decision he made with Jesus. This guy's real. I'm following him. I'm, I'm in. And maybe you've made that decision. God has called you. He's the son. Jesus Christ has called you. The spirit has been drawing. And you said, hey, I'm in. I'm going to follow. I'm going to do what Jesus wants. Jesus is great. If you follow Peter's life, it keeps going. If you looked in Matthew chapter 14, you'd see this, that Jesus just finishes feeding the 5,000. You remember that one, right? Right? This little bit of food, these, these, these few pieces of bread and a couple pieces of fish. And the guys, the disciples like, what in the world are we going to do? And Jesus says, don't worry about it, I got it. And he prays and he feeds the 5,000. And he sends the disciples off, if you read the verses there. He puts them in a boat and they, they're going across. And in the middle of it, there's a storm comes up and Jesus comes walking and they get scared, right? Because Jesus is walking on the water, I'd be scared too. And in the middle of that, when when Jesus is getting close to the boat, Peter says, hey, call me out. This has been awesome. And Jesus says, okay, Peter, come. And so Peter steps out of the boat and starts walking on the water toward Jesus. Amazing. Decision to follow, that's a pretty amazing decision to follow Jesus, isn't it? Jesus called him, come, change your life for me. And Peter says, I'm in. And and later as he watches the miracles happen and he believes in Jesus and he sees that he's the Messiah, he says, Jesus, I'm in, I'm following you, I'm all for it, let's go. And, and, And some miraculous happens in his life and he walks on the water with Jesus. Now we know he looks away and he starts to sink, but hey, would you have even got out of the boat? I know most of you right? We'd have struggled. But he made a decision to follow Jesus. If you go to Matthew chapter 17, Peter's part of the inner circle with Jesus. and Peter, James, and John end up up on a mountain with Jesus. It's called the mountain of transfiguration, or that moment is. And in that moment, Moses and Elijah show up. And Peter's there, and the glory of God is shown to him, and the person of God speaks. Man, incredible. The person of God speaks and said, hey, guys, this is my son. And Peter's there, and Peter hears that. Peter makes a mistake again. Let's make altars to everybody. He gets all excited. But he points to Jesus and he sees Jesus again. And a decision is made. I'm following this guy. This guy is amazing. I'm in. I'm following. Maybe that's happened to you. I'm in. I'm following. If you go to John chapter 13 that we read not too long ago in verse 37, you find this, that we're in the upper room and they're having the meal together and Jesus is washing their feet and he's explaining all that's going to happen to him. And Peter says, look, I don't care what happens to you. I will lay my life down for you. I am so far in. I give it all. God, I'm going to lay it on the line for you. You got me 100%. I can see him. He's excited. He's in. I'm going to follow Jesus. I know who this guy is, and I'm going to follow him. It's a decision, a decision to follow Jesus. And it's at this moment, in the middle of these events... And Jesus in, verse, in chapter 17, remember a couple weeks ago we started, the prayer of Jesus for his disciples and for us, where Jesus says, look, I know these guys, I know their heart, I know that they love me, but put your hand of protection on them, care for them, make them one, bring them into unity, help them to understand who we as a Godhead really is, because they need to see us. And here's why Jesus prayed it, because he knew what was coming for Peter, and he knows what's coming for you. He tells Peter, the Holy Spirit is coming to change your life. Judas does his thing. He he turns his back on Jesus and gives him away. And Peter is with him. And in the middle of Peter being with him in the garden, he rips his sword out and he says, I'm so much for you, God, that I'll protect you, Jesus. I'll protect you. And he cuts the servant's ear off. And then we pick him up. A few minutes later, not very long later, Standing beside a fire. How about your story with God? Has God called you? You remember when Jesus called you? Do you remember when you understood that you were a sinner and you needed a Savior and Jesus was the answer? Do you remember when the Holy Spirit started tapping on your heart and drawing you to the place of understanding your need of a Savior? Do you remember the time when you gave your heart to Jesus Christ and you told him, look, you're the answer for my sin, my sin problem that I have. You are the only answer, and I get it, and I give myself to you. Do you remember that day? I remember. I was a little boy. I was sitting beside my dad's desk. I remember it very clear. He was studying for a Sunday school class that he was going to teach, And I was pretending that I was studying to teach. I was about five years old, and I remember when the Holy Spirit drew me, and I understood my need of a Savior, and I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. You remember that day? Maybe you haven't got there, but God's been trying to draw you. The Spirit's been tapping on your heart, and you haven't given in yet to the Holy Spirit of God, and you need to. He's calling you. You remember that day? Do you remember what it looked like? Do you remember what it's looked like since? Do you remember the journey that you've been on with God since that? The decisions that you've made to follow or not to follow? Do you remember those? Do you remember the evidence of the presence of God in your life as you followed him? I do. I remember as a 16-year-old saying yes to Jesus Christ and saying, God, whatever it is that you want, I'll do full-time mission. I'll go wherever it is that you want. I'll do it. I get that you're calling me to do it. I remember the place. I remember the time. I remember what I wrote down. I remember who was with me. I remember God calling me. I remember my wife and I deciding that we were going into ministry. I remember being on a mission trip right before we were, we were engaged, and I flew out, I think the next day, didn't I, for a mission trip. I got her, so I left. I mean, it's <laughs> not how it happened. But I remember sitting in an airport, In Miami, I remember reading scripture and God laying it on my heart, Tim, I'm calling you to ministry here back in the United States or Canada. And I remember the verse in Nehemiah that led me to that place where I realized, look, the church is falling apart and it needs help. It needs people who are passionate about Jesus Christ to preach the word of God. I remember the place. I remember making the decision, okay, God, I want the excitement of looking for lost tribes, and that would be a lot of fun, and I'd be up for that, and I'm in. But if you call me to this, I make the decision to follow you. I remember sitting in a conference about 2000, the year 2000, And I remember sitting in the middle of that conference, Pam and I were there together, we were in Chicago, and I remember that the guy who was speaking was speaking about the church. The local church is the hope of the world. The only answer for the people that surround us is seeing Jesus Christ in the heart of the local church. And I remember sitting there saying, God, that's me, that's what I wanna do. And it was a decision to follow Jesus Christ, to put him first, to say yes and decide to do what he wants to make a difference with the people that I live life with and that I rub shoulders with. Do you remember that in your life? Do you remember Jesus showing up and calling you at very specific places to make decisions to follow him? Do you remember your decision? Was it yes or no? He's done it in your life. He's been calling you. He's drawing you to make decisions for his glory, for him. For eternity and for his kingdom. Like Peter, we all have stories of how God revealed himself to us and how he has shown himself faithful to us. There are points in our walk with God that we are called to make choices, to take the next step. I believe that this is what God was doing in Peter's life. You want to be all in? You want to follow me? Because that's what Peter had just said to Jesus. I'm all in. You got me. I'll lay my life down for you. You want to be all in? Well, if that's the case, here you go. Let me give you a decision to make right here, right now, and let's see how you do. Let's see how all in you are. And I think he does that to us. I think he leads us to a place as Christ followers where he says, you're all in. You want to follow me? You want to do this for the kingdom of God? Then here, make the decision and show me that you're all in. And that's where we find Peter. Let me read the passage again to you so you get the picture. John chapter 18, starting at verse 15. Simon Peter was following Jesus as was another disciple. And that disciple... was an acquaintance with the high priest. And so he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter remained standing outside by the door. So the other disciple, the one known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the girl who was the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. And then the servant girl who was the doorkeeper said to Peter, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? I am not, he said. Now the servant and the official had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing there warming themselves and Peter was standing with them warming himself. Look at verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself and they said to him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. And one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off said, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? And Peter denied it again, and immediately the rooster crowed. Now think of that story. Think of those events in light of what Peter had made for decisions. Jesus, I choose to follow. You called me. I'm in. I've seen the greatness of your works. I've seen your miracles. I've been part of your holy assembly. I've been there with you. I sat at your feet. I listened to you teach. You told me great things. I'm in. But now someone points their finger at Peter and says, aren't you part of this? And Peter says, no, not me. Aren't you one of them? No. You are one of them. That's what this guy at the end says. I remember you. You cut off my my relative my cousin's ear. I saw you do it. And Peters like it wasn't me. I was next to the guy when his ear fell off. I know it was you. Folks, don't be hard on Peter because that's us. Aren't you one of those Christ followers? You know what I'm talking about? Why are you acting like, like that? Aren't you one of those Christ followers? I thought Jesus was the one who led you and directed you. I thought Jesus told you to love. Aren't you one of those Christ followers? Hey, husband and wives when you're interacting with, with each other, aren't you one of those Christ followers? Hey, parents, when you're teaching your children and you're leading them, aren't you one of those Christ followers? Hey, folks, when you're, when you're clicking on the movie to watch and you're, you're making a decision of what you're going to allow to go into your brain and what you're going to think about in the next little while, aren't you one of those Christ followers? Hey, guys, gals at work, in the middle of that joke that's being told that has nothing to do with God and is so far away from God, aren't you one of those Christ followers? Maybe it's you who's telling the joke. Aren't you one of those Christ followers? Hey, how you're when, when life rubs you the wrong way and begins to hit you in ways that you never expected and you're responding and everybody hears you respond, aren't you one of those Christ followers? It's a decision. It's a choice. Aren't you one of those? We have choices to make. We have decisions to make for Jesus Christ that matter. They have implications. But here's the power of the passage, and it's not found in the verses that I read to you. And I want you to see this because this is what changes everything about this passage. If you have your Bible, go back to Luke chapter 22. Because in the Gospel of Luke, we see this exact same event unfold, but there's a little phrase in the middle of this that we don't get from John, and we need it because it helps us to understand. Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 60, it says this. But Peter said, remember, we're jumping into the middle of his denying, but Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Now stop for a minute. Only God could do that. Immediately, while he was speaking, a rooster crowed. Then, here's what I want you to catch. Look at this. Watch closely. Then, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord. Now he had said, how he had said to him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. I want you to catch this. And the Lord looked at him. He's denying his savior. He's close enough to catch Jesus' eye, folks. This isn't two very different places. They're close together. They're in proximity. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And I love this little phrase because I can see the look and it's not the look we would think. Because I think that the look that comes from Jesus is a look of deep love We would think it's a look of incredible disappointment, of disgust because of what Peter does. But I don't think that's it at all. I think that the look that we see here is Jesus looking at Peter with this deep-seated love. And you want to know why I know that? Because that's what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross in the middle of my sin. He didn't look at me with disgust. He looked at me as one of his created beings who needed a savior. And while he hung on the cross, he looked ahead in time and said, that guy that I created in my image, I love him so much. I will die for him so that he could have life. And even if he rejects me, I will still love him. That's Jesus. And so when Jesus turns and looks at Peter, I bet that it is a look of love. It was a look of understanding. It was knowing how hard this is and will be. It's a look that was filled with, I have never let you down, Peter. I will not start now. Peter, I am doing this for you. So many thoughts and past experiences were wrapped up in that one look that Jesus gave to Peter. Jesus knew the heart of Peter. and Jesus was not shocked at Peter's response. Peter walks away from there and he hangs his head and he weeps because he understood what just happened in his heart now I love this passage of scripture and the reason I love it is because it's me I'm the one who makes bad decisions when I follow Jesus I'm the one that even though God has shown up in my life in so many ways and always been faithful and never let me down, that there are times when I choose to say no to him. And yet he loves me. And yet he beckons me to come. And he says, hey, Tim, follow. I love you. I understand your heart. I understand the struggle. Come with me. Know me. Be cared for by me. And out of this event, if you read a little bit farther, Peter's one of the first guys to run to the tomb and said, he's alive, he's awake, he came back, yes. And I know that if if Peter had been walking away from God at that moment, he would have run in the other direction as fast as he could, but instead he's like, he's the one who loves me. And so that look was drawing him back. That's what Jesus is doing to you today. Peter later becomes one of the great speakers of the gospel of Jesus Christ that starts the church in the book of Acts. Because the look of Jesus in the middle of his decision to deny. Hey guys, gals, you may need the same thing that Peter got. You may need it this morning. Have you given up? Jesus hasn't. Are you tired? Are you tired struggling in your faith? Jesus wants to renew and refresh you. Are you running? (laughs) Have you denied Christ so often that you're running? Stop. He wants that relationship. He's not disappointed in you. He wants to love you. He wants to lift you up and care for you. Have you recently denied Jesus? Tell him you're sorry. Repent. Give your heart back to Jesus. Guys, gals, right now, this moment, Jesus is looking at you the same way he looked at Peter. The same love, the same compassion, the same heart, he's looking at you. Will you accept what he has to offer? God, would you help us to decide new, fresh, each day to follow you? Would you remind us of the evidence of your presence? The fact that you are with us all the time. That you love us beyond a shadow of a doubt. That even when we turn our back from you, you still love. You still care. You're still looking at us. And God, would you give us the courage to do as Peter did? He turned back with great courage, chose to follow. Would you help us? Father, I can't help but think that in this room, at this moment, there are those who are on the fence and have either not decided to follow you or have followed you but have denied, have made bad choices. God, would you help them? Would you encourage them? Would you draw them back by your spirit? Help us to say yes to you Help us to live for you in this day. In your name we pray, amen. Would you choose to follow God today? Thanks, you're dismissed. If you wanna chat more, I'll be up front.